Genesis chapter 6, verse number 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me and the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God said, I'm going to wipe it out and I'm going to start over. And here's what he tells Noah. He says, go make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And in that ark, he says, I want you to make some rooms in that ark. And I want you to cover the inside and the outside with pitch. Everybody say tar. The New Living Translation translate that as tar. It's tar that God says, I want you to put on the inside and the outside. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits and 50. It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. And you shall make a window in the ark and you shall finish it uh, to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark to its side. And you shall make it with lower second and third decks. God said, Here's the specific dimensions and the plan I have for you to build the ark that is going to save your family of faith. And then God adds this little detail that he really leaves in large part up to Noah. He says, I want you to take some tar and I want you to put it in between all the boards on the inside and on the outside of the ark. Today we're talking about faith families. How many want to build faith in your family? How many want to build faith in your home, in your nieces and nephews, your grandkids, your friends that you have influence on? Why don't you lift up your voice to the Lord and ask him to help us do that? Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would help us to build faith in every family that's represented here. God, whatever it is here, God, whoever it is, and God, whatever family dynamic, help us to build faith in our families. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. I always uh, wanted to wear nice shoes. <laughs> but growing up, house full of kids, mom and stepdad, uh, both working just average blue-collar jobs, Sometimes it was a fight just to have food on the table. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sometimes it was a struggle just to make sure the bills were paid. Uh, and so way down on the priority list was getting Luke a new pair of tennis shoes. And so when I finally had some money of my own, job of my own, and could spend some money of my own, I went to the store to buy a real pair of tennis shoes. Like, you know, I had the fake Nikes all the time from places like Payless and places like the Goodwill and nothing against that. Uh, but uh, I wanted some better shoes. And so uh, I got a job, <laughs> young people, hint, hint. Uh, I got a job. All the parents say amen. <laughs> I got a job and <laughs> made some of my own money. And, and went to where they sold the shoes that all the kids at school got to wear, or at least I thought all the kids at school got to wear, and got me, man, a, a, a great pair of Nikes. Now what I know about tennis shoes, which is very little, uh, but, you know, I realized if I still had that pair, they might actually be worth something if I hadn't have trashed them. But I went 
into the store, and I remember talking to the man. I'm about to pull the trigger and spend some of my hard-earned money to buy this pair of shoes that I was going to so proudly wear to school. Finally, a nice pair of shoes. And I remember the man that was selling me the shoes, he, he pulled out a spray can that looked something like this. And he said, he just kind of threw it out there. It wasn't really a hard sell. He didn't really get in my face. I don't think he was making commission off of an aerosol can. Maybe he was. But he kind of just threw this out there. He said, you know, for a couple extra dollars and a little extra effort, he said, you can protect these shoes and keep them nicer longer. Well, I was pulling hard-earned money out of my pocket to pay for these shoes. So all of a sudden, I was very interested in keeping them nicer, longer. So I didn't have to go buy another pair. And so I looked at the can that he was going to give me, and it was a waterproofing can, a, a shoe spray. Anybody use anything like that ever on, on your sneakers or your tennis shoes? And, and he said just, I, I remember just for a little bit of extra effort and a couple of extra dollars, you can keep these shoes nicer, longer. And I was sold. And I'm still sold. In fact, now my kids get new pairs of shoes and the first thing they say, Dad, have you sprayed my shoes yet? Have you sprayed my shoes yet? Because we know that whether it's a pair of tennis shoes or it's the basement of your house or it's the inside of your boat or it's your house in general, we don't want water flooding on the inside of something that we see as valuable. We don't want water coming in and ruining something that we have put a significant investment in. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis the story of Noah, and Noah understood this truth. He understood this well. The story goes that God called Noah to build a great big boat, possibly the biggest wooden boat that would ever be built by mankind. God called Noah to build a boat because God was angry at the sin of humanity and he was going to judge humanity by letting rain fall for the first time ever from the sky and flooding the earth filling it up with water and destroying all of the wickedness. And so God called Noah to build a boat that would preserve his family, but not only his family, any righteous person that wanted to hear his preaching and get on board that boat with Noah, his family, and the animals. God gave Noah a specific blueprint that we read partly about in our text today. It's interesting to me that God told Noah exactly how many feet long the boat was to be, exactly how many feet tall the boat was supposed to be. 510 feet long, think about that. That's a boat that's almost two football fields long. 185 feet uh, wide and 51 feet tall. And of course, there may be some variance in those numbers, but depending on uh, which theologian is interpreting the length of a biblical cubit. Uh, but that's basically the measurements. And the point is that God gave him exact measurements down to the inch of how long the boat should be, how wide the boat should be, how tall the boat should be. God even told him exactly where to put the window in 
the boat. God told him exactly where to put the door in the boat. God told him exactly how many decks or floors to build in the boat. God told him to put the rooms exactly in the boat. God said, I'm going to wipe the world clean and I'm giving you the exact blueprints because I want your family to be safe. Now, how many, if God told you, I'm getting ready to destroy the Quad Cities, there's going to be a comet come from space, boom, burn it up. And here's your six-step instructions to avoid your impending doom. If you believed it, how many would skip step four and five? If you really believed it, how many would just skip over or fudge a little bit on step two or three? Nobody would. So God gives Noah these exact blueprints, and Noah starts planning, and he starts working. And the Bible says in verse 22 of Genesis 6, God says, thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. Those 13 words, thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. Those 13 words took Noah and his family about 100 years to complete. They worked on that boat for about 100 years. They, they, they worked on it, building it exactly how God said. But wait, that wasn't all. God didn't just say how many inches long it should be, how many inches wide it should be, how many inches tall it should be, where the window should be, where the door should be, where the deck should be. God threw another detail in to the plan, but that next detail wasn't very detailed. God said, Noah, I want you to get some tar, and I want you to put some tar on the inside of the boat. And I want you to put some tar in between all the boards on the outside of the boat. How much tar, God? You told me exactly how many feet and inches to build it long and wide and tall and all the other details, right? How much tar should I put in, God? God doesn't say. He leaves the amount of the tar up to Noah. How waterproof do you want the boat, Noah? I mean, if it's you, <laughs> the whole earth's going to be flooded. This is the only thing between your family and drowning. How waterproof do you want your boat? I mean, forget the earth flood. I got a healthy enough fear of water. I mean, if I'm out of here on a little pond and I'm in a boat, I want that thing waterproof. <laughs> I don't want any water coming in the boat. I was fishing with a guy one time, and we got this little John boat, and we're fishing on the river, and water's coming in. I'm like, bro, you got a leak in your boat. Let's get back. No, it's, he said it's slow. We can, we can, you know, we stay ahead of it. Just There's a cup in the back. Just as if, I'm like, you're out of your mind, man. Get this boat back to ground. No, no, you know, he just would bail it out as we go, you know. Like, how do you know that that leak isn't going to get bigger when we're in the middle of the river? No, 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 no. I want that boat to be water tight. How much tar is enough to put on the outside? How much tar is enough to put on the inside, Noah? Noah didn't know, 
and neither do we because God didn't tell him. But imagine how they made tar back in that day. They would have to cut down the trees. They would have to drain the resin, the sap, the, the resin from the tree. And they would have to boil it down and mix some dirt and other things that they would mix with that resin. It was an extremely time and labor intensive process. Hear me. The sap and the tar and the resin was not something they could just go down to the pro desk at Menards or Home Depot and order. They had to cut down the trees. They had to make every ounce of resin and tar themselves. It was a time intensive process. It was a labor intensive process. It was an excruciating process, no doubt. No doubt. Tons of time, tons of work going in. But how safe do you want the ark to be for your family, Noah? How safe do you want the ark to be when the world is flooded, Noah? God tells him, I want you to put tar between all the boards on the outside. Everybody say the outside. And I want you to put a tar in between all the boards on the inside. Everybody say the inside. In other words, the outside. You're going to cover the outside, which is the part that everybody sees. But then you're going to get on the inside of the boat that you're putting your family in. And you're going to cover the part that nobody sees. The part that's on the inside is the part that only your family and God sees. But God said, I want you to put tar on the inside and I want you to put tar on the outside. Can I preach to you today that just like that tar, we have to spread faith on the inside of our families and we have to spread faith on the outside of our families. We have to build faith internally and we have to build faith externally. How much tar is enough? Noah, I don't know, and neither do you. How much faith is enough, man, woman, boy, girl, mom, dad? How much faith is enough? I don't really know, and neither do you. But when it comes to the safety, the well-being of my family, never is it going to be too much. Never is it going to be just enough. You got to build faith on the outside of your family. Somebody say the outside. Build faith on the outside. The outside is the part that everybody sees. Uh, build faith on the outside. What do you mean, pastor? I mean, do what you did this morning. Get up, get out of bed, and come to church. Build faith on the outside. Can I go a little further down that road? Don't just come to church, but when you get here, clap your hands at least one time. Lift your hands to Jesus at least one time. When you get here, participate in pre-service prayer. If you get here at 945, pray a little bit. Sing, clap, shout, pray. We put some faith on the outside that everybody sees. When you get here, come to the altar and show your family, show your church family, show the little kids that are running around here that are watching you. Pastor, I don't have any kids. I'm just a young adult. Or I don't have any kids. I'm a single adult. Uh, that's all right. You got little kids uh, running around the family of God, the church. Uh, they are watching you. They are looking at you. They're taking notes from you. Uh, so build some faith on the outside. Uh, build some faith. Come to church. 
Build some faith on the outside. Be, be a participator. Let them see you sitting in your spot in the church. Let them see. And I like how, man, the church is growing. God's moving. God's adding to the church. Uh, uh, I, you know, I hope nobody in here has the mentality that you got your spot in the church uh, because as we continue to grow, you're liable to lose your spot in the church uh, because somebody's going to show up before you show up uh, and get your spot in the church. Don't get your feelings in a wad. If you lose your spot in the church, just say, thank God, because that means God's adding to the church. I didn't see names on any seats when I walked in. My name's not even on a seat when I walk in. Well... Don't get me going down a rabbit hole here. Let, let, let them come. Let anybody come. Whosoever will, let them come. But let people see you coming to church. It matters that you're here. It matters that people, it matters that we're showing our families, that we're showing our children, that we're returning our tithe and we're giving our offering. It matters that we stay around a little bit after church and connect with brothers and sisters and talk to somebody and fellowship with somebody. What are you doing? You're putting tar on the outside of the boat. No. Uh, you're putting tar on the outside of the boat to make sure that the faith uh, of your family floats uh, when the world is flooded with sin. You have to know that our world is being flooded with all kinds of mess. Our world is being flooded with sensuality and wickedness and perversion. Our world is flooded with addiction. Our world is flooded with depression and anxiety and fear. Our world is flooded with rage and anger. Our world is flooded with so many toxic spirits, mindsets, and attitudes. Parents, family members, young people, adults, Hear me. Make sure you cover the outside of your boat uh, with enough faith uh, that it floats in this culture. How much faith is enough? Uh, I don't know. But if my wife's salvation and if my kids' salvation and if my family's salvation is at stake, if their faith is depending on the waterproofing I use, Noah, if their safety is depending on my faith in God's word, then I'm telling you just enough is not enough. I'm gonna do more than enough. I'm not just gonna get by. How much tar is enough, Noah? How much faith does it take on the outside to get your family to heaven? How much faith does it take on the outside? The things that everybody sees. How much faith does it take to get your family to heaven? I don't know. And neither do you. How much faith does it take to keep your children when they're in college from losing their faith? I don't know, and neither do you. But here's what I know. Just getting by should never be my attitude. Ah, that's enough. Should never be my spirit. Look at your neighbor say, just enough is not enough. Just enough. Probably not enough. The reality is we all have same seven days in a week. 
Pastor, that's not a day, that's a jar. You're right. But for today's purposes, it's a, it's a day. It represents a day. Every one of us have the same seven days a week. And every one of us have the same. Anybody know how many hours in a week? Don't Google it. 168 hours every single week. Each one of these ping pong balls represents an hour. And God gives all of us the same 24 hours in every single day. Every one of us have the same 24 hours in every single day. Hours that we spend sleeping. How many hours do you spend sleeping? Eight. God bless you. Spoken like a kid with no responsibility. Eight hours of sleep, that's good. How many hours do we spend at school? How many hours? Seven, right answer. Seven hours, two, four, six, seven. That's per day at school, kids. Aren't you thankful for school, kids? How much faith is enough to get your family to heaven? How much faith is enough for your family to stand the onslaught of cultural's, a culture's assault? How many hours a week does God get in your family? Sunday, we start at 10. Yeah, I'll give God an hour. Well, okay, I'll be honest. Sometimes pastor goes a little long. We'll throw, oh, oh, oh. That's like half of my sermons right there. They kind of just fall. They kind of just bloop, 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 bloop. I mean, it sounded good in prayer. It sounded good in my head. What do we take two out of Sunday? Kids' church on Wednesday, Bible study on Wednesday? Yeah, no? How much faith is enough to save your family? How much faith is enough to preserve their faith? Every Wednesday, every Sunday, that's still three hours a week. When their school gets seven hours a day. Well, we, what? Let me just get this out there. I told my wife what I was preaching today and she got, she said, that's pretty sobering. It is. Wrestled with this for weeks. I'm not preaching to make you walk away and say, man, I really enjoyed that sermon. What a good communicator. You know what I'm preaching to do? I'm preaching to try to help you save your family. I'm preaching 
so that when your faith is challenged in your career, you don't lose it. And when your faith is challenged when you get off to college, you don't lose it. And when your faith is tempted by, by the things that life and hell are going to offer you, that you don't lose your faith. We've got to get serious about building families of faith. We've got to get radical if we have to about building families of faith. How many, how many Sundays can I miss and my family keep their faith? How many Wednesdays can I miss and my family keep their faith? I don't know. Pastor, are you saying I'm going to go to hell if I'm not here on a Sunday or a Wednesday? That's not what I'm saying at all. Please don't take that out. I'm just asking you a question. God didn't tell Noah how much tar to put on the boat. He left it up to Noah. But Noah, the salvation of your family depends on your faith. The salvation of your family depends that you don't cut corners, that you don't get in a hurry, that you don't get distracted, that you don't give everything else a high your priority how much faith does it take to save your family how many times how many times instead of God can I choose other things how many times instead of God can I just give him a token and I choose other things with all of my other discretionary time how many times can I do that and my family be saved I don't know I don't know, but here's what I do know. I don't want to tempt it. I don't want to risk it. How many, how many times can our students and our young people decide that, ah, you know, youth night's really not that big of a deal. And so instead of putting a couple of hours of youth night in the God uh, jar, we're going to put a couple hours of youth night in the other jar. We're going to go do something else. How many times can you do that and your kid's faith be preserved and protected? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'm just preaching to you today that somebody's got to make up in their mind. I'm going to have a better priority. I'm going to have a better system. I'm going to prioritize the faith of my family above anything else. I'm going to prioritize that my family's faith matters more to me than anything else, than any other priority. My family's faith matters. <laughs> oh, I feel the burden here today. Your kids may become, you, you, you take a bunch of time out of all this, and you put it into somewhere else, you put it into some other thing, you take time from their week, and you fill it with all these other things. Got to remember which jars I'm taking it out of. You give God a little bit of that now and then, you, you may make the next Bill Gates. You may raise the next, you may raise the next Jeff Bezos. You may raise the next Kobe Bryant or Serena Williams or Derek Jeter. You may raise the next champion. 
that'll have trophies all on their wall, that'll have billions of dollars in the bank. But you hear me, if it is at the cost of their soul, it is not worth any of it. It is not worth a trophy. It's not worth a money amount. It's not worth any other thing or any other accolade. It's simply not worth it. Somebody help me today. I gotta get my priorities back right. I gotta get my things in my life back arranged right. I'm preaching. Hear me, I'm trying to hurry. I, I, I wish our kids could have it both ways. Babe, I wish they could have it both ways. I wish our kids could have it both ways. I wish they could have all of that and all of this. I wish that they wouldn't have to choose between all of that and all of this. I wish they wouldn't have to decide between all of that. But hear me, at some point in their life, whether they are six years old, 16 years old, old or 21 years old, your children are going to have to make a conscious decision between Jesus and something else. And when they have to make that decision, you better make sure that you have put enough faith in between all the boards of their boat. You better make sure that you put enough tar. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm not trying to keep you from having fun. I'm not even trying to keep you from doing what your friends at school are doing. But what I am concerned about is that you're saved. I am concerned that this boat that we're in is going to take us from here to heaven and nobody's going to fall out and nobody's going to get lost. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will be a family of faith. So you got to build faith on the outside of your family. But you got to build some faith on the inside of your family too. <clears throat> we are not just trying to build a family that everybody looks at and says, well, that's a nice Christian family. No. We're trying to build a family that from the inside out is a Christ-centered home. It matters that you're here on Sunday. It matters that you're here at midweek Bible study if you can be. It matters that you're here on first Tuesday prayer meetings. But it also matters that what you do inside the home is reflected by what you're doing outside of the home. If your Sunday strut in the church doesn't match how you're living behind closed doors on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, then you run the risk of destroying the faith of your family. Mm. So Noah picked up. When he got done with the outside, he picked up his bucket and his, his branch-made brush. And he walked into the inside of the ark. And he knew that God said, you got to put it all over the outside and you've got to put it all over the inside. So I've got to spread some faith on the inside. Why does it matter on the inside? Why should I have to worry about it? Because it's not the risk. It's not worth the risk, Noah. It's not worth taking any shortcut. Because everybody else sees the faith that I put on the outside. Everybody else sees if your car is in the parking lot on Sunday. Everybody else sees if you're in the building on Wednesday. But your family sees what you are behind closed doors. And so God said, I want you to cover the inside and the outside. Because what you are behind closed doors matters at least as much as what you are in public. I'm preaching 
what is not an easy message to preach and probably a harder message to hear. That it's not a matter if you have this faith or that faith. It's not a matter of, well, I'm here Sunday, but it's okay that I'm a train wreck at home with my wife and kids. No. It's not this or that. If you want to have a faith family that has a boat that floats uh, through every waging wave and wind, raging wave and wind of culture, you got to make sure that it's protected by faith on the inside uh, and it's protected by faith on the outside. And so what I do on the inside of my house uh, matters just as much as what I do on the outside. Just because uh, you're here at Sunday, on Sunday, and you pray here on Wednesday doesn't mean you don't have any need to pray at home uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And just because you pray at home doesn't mean you don't need to be here with the family of faith. It's not this or that. It's this and that. We are building families of faith that will take us from here to heaven. I'm preaching to somebody that we got to build a family of faith uh, from the inside out. And so your pastor may never see that you kneel beside your chair and pray in the living room every morning. But your kids will see it and it matters. And the leaders of the church may never see that you don't take any meals to fast and push food away. But your spouse will see and it matters. The friends you have at church, they may never see that you talk nice about church on Sunday, but you badmouth people and things and whatever on Monday. But your family sees it and it matters. I'm preaching to somebody here today that what is on the outside has to be an outflow of what's on the inside. What's on the outside here on Sunday has to be the outflow of what's going in in your life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. God, let us be families of faith from the inside out. Oh man, we got, we got some backwards thinking about this. Your home is not an extension of the church. The church should be an extension of godly homes. The first altar isn't at church, it's in your home. What you do here at church should be a mere continuation of what you're already doing at home. The prayer here at church should just be a continuation of the prayer that's already going on behind closed doors. It's got to be starting in our homes. And if it's not starting in our homes, it'll never be effective enough. So maybe it's enough tar, Noah. Maybe that's just enough. Maybe just a couple here and one there is enough, Noah. Maybe that's enough to get your family to worship on Sunday and, 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 and not pray on Monday. Maybe you don't have to pray at home and you can make it to heaven. Maybe you don't have to fast ever and, and you can take your family to heaven with you. Maybe that stuff doesn't really matter or maybe it does. Maybe it's enough tar to publicly support the church but privately criticize the church. Maybe it's enough. Maybe it's enough to smile and be kind to people here but then rip them behind their back at home. Maybe that's enough faith to paint on your boat. But maybe it's not. And I don't know about you, but I'm not wanting to take the risk. 
Maybe, maybe it's enough that everybody just sees what's on the outside. But I'm not willing to take the risk. So you know what I want to do? I want to put some stuff in there on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, this, this jar is going to be full. We don't have to worry about that. That jar is going to be full of hours and time in a day, in a week. But I want to make sure there's plenty here. I don't want to just make sure there's Wednesday and Sunday, but I want to make sure there's some other time. You know how you build Christ-centered homes? I'll give you four quick, if you're a note taker, write this down. Four easy things you can do to build Christ-centered homes. First, make God a part of your daily conversations. That means on on Saturday and Friday and Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday. And, and, and Monday. Tuesday's trying to get away again. Tuesday, woo, the God jar about broke. Lord have mercy. Slow down, Levine. Make sure there's some conversation the other days of the week, right? Make, make sure there's some stuff going on a few other times in the week. Make sure, that's what the Bible said in the book of Deuteronomy. Talk about it when you go. He said, talk about it. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk about it when you're in the way, when you're rising up, when you're sitting down. Teach these things to your children. Let them be frontlets between their eyes. Put them over the doorpost. What is God saying? He's saying, make it visible everywhere in your family that we are a family of faith. Not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but we are a family of faith how else do you build a family of faith you make church non-negotiable you make church no- it's not even a question we're going we're, it's not even up for discussion we're going uh, make it so your kids don't want to miss it how you talk about church matters uh, how you get excited about church matters uh, whether it's just oh something we gotta do or it's something that you're excited about make church non-negotiable it's only two days a week make it non-negotiable you want to build a family of faith, make it non-negotiable. You know what you ought to do? Uh, you ought to show them how that knowing God and loving God is fun. Don't make it a drudgery. Number three, don't make it a drudgery. Make it fun. Tell them how great God is. Show blessings in your life uh, that God has given you that you know come from Him. Make them know that if they seek Him first, uh, everything else, as Ty said today, everything else will fall into place. Just put Him first in your life. And then the fourth thing you got to do is seek God as a family daily. I don't care if it's just when you wake up and you're praying for him before they go to school or maybe you're praying for him before they go to bed. But, but seek God daily. Make sure every day of their life you're putting some, some time in the God jar. Make sure every day of your life you're saying, God, I want, to, I want my kids to know that there's more to this than just showing up on Sunday. I want my kids to know. I want my family to know. I want my spouse to to know. I want everybody watching me to know that it's more than just Sunday only. We've got to build faith in our families. Noah builds the ark. He spreads the tar on the inside and the out. He's done everything just like God said he should do. He's put it everywhere that God said to put it. hundred years later. I want you to picture this with me. Noah's family is settled into the ark. And the floodwaters have risen. The world has never seen anything like this before. The floodwaters have risen. The boat is floating. 
being a father, I can, I can just imagine <clears throat> Noah inspecting the inside of that boat. As that boat pitched and rolled in the raging flood. I imagine him walking around, <clears throat> running his fingers over the boards and feeling the pitch lines, the tar lines in between all the boards. I imagine him wondering, man, did I put enough here? Is it enough to keep the water out over there? This, that board looks a little off. Is that, did, did I put enough pitch tar there? But the problem was by then it was too late. You see, the boat was built when the sun was shining. The birds were chirping and everything was good. But when the flood waters come, it's too late to put the faith in. She may be only five years old. There's nobody trying to get her to drink. There's nobody pushing drugs on her at school. She's five. But there will be a day come where she's going to be struggling and somebody's going to offer her something. And on that day, you're going to be like Noah, running your fingers over the tar. Saying, Did I put enough? Did I equip her enough to say no? Did I equip her? Is, is the faith going to hold? I know he may only be in seventh grade and, and relatively sheltered kid. And, 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 and it, it, it's blue skies. It's sunshine. It's cool breezes. Everything is good. But there's going to be a day that he's going to walk into a philosophy class at college and a 60-year-old professor who is well experienced dealing with young minds is going to look at the class and say, I'd like a show of hands if anybody's dumb enough to still believe in that ancient God of the Bible. Raise your hand. And you're going to be at home 200 miles away wondering, did I put enough faith in the boat that it will float. Did I put enough faith? Did I take him to enough Wednesdays? Did I take him to enough Sundays? Did I involve him in enough church activity? Did he see me pray enough at home? Did he see me do enough in our faith that his faith will float when it is challenged? My, my, my. The boyfriend or girlfriend may be miles down the road. It may not even be anything in their reality right now. But when that girl looks his way that has nothing but impure intentions for him, are you going to know that you put enough faith in? That I know everybody makes mistakes. People make mistakes. And thank God for his grace that picks us up when we fall. But I'm preaching that we as families, we've got to do diligence to make sure we put enough faith in the boat that it'll float when the when the rains come when the rains come stand with me all across my 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 I'm preaching to everybody in this church right now you say pastor I don't even have a family that's alright I'm preaching to you 
because we got to put enough faith in the boat. We got to make sure we put enough tar in the boat of this family, the family of God. Ah, pastor, do we really have to do that? Pastor, do, is, is that really necessary? Pastor, is that really a big deal? Pastor, is that really going to matter? You know what? There are some things I know and there's some things I don't know, but here's what I do know, that when the flood waters come, I am never a single moment going to regret that I cut down another tree, that I boiled down some more tar, that I put a little more tar in where the water gets in. I'm never going to regret that I put too much protection and too much tar to protect the faith of my family. But what I don't want to do is see another shipwrecked young adult. What I don't want to do is see another shipwrecked family. What I don't want to do is see another family shipwrecked because what was on the inside didn't match what was on the outside. I don't want to see another marriage fall apart and crumble because what was on the inside was not portrayed as what was on the outside. God help us to put faith on the inside like it is on the outside. I'm preaching as, as the pastor of this church. I thank God we have great church on Sunday but I don't want this just to be a Sunday church. God help us not just be a Sunday church where we come and just get our Sunday fix but we got to dip the brush back in the bucket and we got to put some faith out on Monday and we got to put some faith out on Tuesday and on Wednesday and Thursday God help us build a faith that floats all across this room would you lift up your voice and begin to talk to Jesus right now come on all across this room lift up your voice and begin to talk to him